It's time for the Model 3 Owners 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 Club Podcast, episode 3 for May 24th, 2018, the letter P. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this great episode. We have so much to talk about. This episode's really about the performance Model 3. So having said that, I just want to welcome my usual panel of guests, and uh, we'll just bring them up here. We have Eric Camacho. Thanks for joining us again tonight, Eric. Good evening, everyone. And on our lower left, lower right, I should say, is Michael Bodner from Florida as well. Welcome to the show again, Michael. Good evening. <laughs> and joining us once again, he was absent last week, here is Ian Pavelka from Montreal. He was uh, doing a motorcycle ride at the Tail of the Dragon. Which, uh, sure, uh, it's nice to see you that, you, uh, that you're back and you're in one piece, so... And I saw some all, all complete. No, all complete. I saw that you had some. Yeah, uh, all the parts. No, all. <laughs> it's good to know. Well, so much to talk about. Of course, um, uh, you know we missed some of the stuff there last week. Of course, uh, you know because Elon put out some of the uh, the information on the Model Three performance car. Of course, and uh, since we missed that, now we're going to uh, pick up on some of that today. So let's get into it. Um, wow! So we finally have a price. Um, um, yeah, so uh, what we're looking at here, of course, are some um, some pictures from the. Uh, let's just bring this up here, so some of you can see what we're talking about. Um, the um, uh, the options for the uh, performance car um, include basically everything, uh, seventy eight thousand dollars US for this uh, for these options, and uh, what we're looking at here is a choice of the black or the white interior. And Elon said that the uh, white interior would be available only on the premium car, at least. Um, um, on the performance car, I should say, at least for the um, beginning, and then it would make out to the uh, rest of the cars in due time. Uh, the other thing that the performance car also includes is a second motor, of course, in the front for all-wheel drive, and it's a uh, it's an induction motor. So they're retaining the uh, permanent magnet motor in the back. And uh, let me see here, a carbon fiber spoiler that's installed after delivery. Uh, they're also including the 20-inch version of the sport wheels, which is kind of interesting. So there's no choice. You can't do arrows. You can't do the 19s. It's strictly the 20s now. And uh, what was the other thing that they added on there? Let me see. i got to look at my pictures here. Um, yeah, so uh, the top speed is 155 miles per hour. The quicker acceleration is uh, 0 to 60, 3.5 seconds. Listen, I want to talk about this for a second because I've been saying for some time now that um, I believe that the uh, performance car would be coming in uh, around the low threes. Now, we know that Tesla tends to sandbag their performance numbers, of course, on their cars. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the base, uh, the, the regular Model 3 um, at this point gets, uh, what is it, 5.1, 5.2 seconds? Is that the rating? Um, um, 5, 5.6 on the standard battery. I think it's 5.1 on the long range. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really kind of going by the long range, what's available today. And right. uh, so now they're saying it's uh, 3.5 seconds. And I've been saying for some time I would expect it to be in the, in the low threes, which, of course, knowing Tesla with their uh, sandbagging of their numbers, uh, I would suspect we see that. Of course, Brooks from, um, um, what's, the, what's his YouTube channel called there? Drag Times. I'm sorry. Sorry, Brooks, if you're listening. Uh, I had a bit of a brain fart there for a second. Uh, he did a measure on his V-Box, and he got 4.667 or something mm-hmm. to that to that effect. So. Uh, so it's looking really good for the low threes on the performance model three. So that's very encouraging. Of course, um, you know, autopilot's not included. So even though it includes a lot of stuff, autopilot, you still have to spend, you know, your extra five grand on that. Um, 
but otherwise it looks like just about everything's included. Now Elon did say that the $78,000 included the cost of upgraded paint. So I'm going to assume if you just get black, you can deduct a thousand bucks, right? So um, any thoughts on this? I think Ian, uh, you're probably going to want to take point on this one here because this is obviously the car that you've been waiting for, for, uh, for quite some time. And of course uh, we don't have Canadian pricing yet because that's, um, it hasn't become available yet, but uh, I'll let you uh, I'll let you riff on this one for a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, as everyone knows quite publicly, I was really dying to find out what the story was going to be on this car, and um, I'm kind of with you. There's a few things that to me seemed right in line with what I was expecting, and a few things that kind of took me by surprise. And I guess in order. The performance. I mean, I, I know there are a lot of people out there speculating that, oh yeah, this car is going to like get into the high twos. They're doing all sorts of math on, you know, the battery size, the amperage it can generate, the fact that it weighs about 800 pounds less than a full-blown P180, uh, sorry, P100D, blah, 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 blah. You, yeah, theoretically, you could maybe achieve something in the high two-second range, but I'm thinking, no, that's a little too close to comfort to, you know, to the big dog. So I'm thinking mid threes. My my personal number was, you know what? If we could get back to the original insane mode P85D, which was around what three two three three something like that, zero sixty, I thought that'd be fine. And I think if you're right on the sandbagging thing, three five as a as a factory number, we might crack into the low threes. And and what's interesting uh, is this just uh, was it yesterday? Today it was just in the last twenty four hours or something. Um, there was a, a Twitter conversation between uh, DMC Ryan. And Elon, and he hinted at, you know, the 3.5 number is the initial number, and we might be getting some performance upgrades on that car. They might be able to, to unlock a little bit more out of it, and we might see even a little more. So the low threes are not out of the, uh, the specter of possibility. Now, there's one thing about that that um, is kind of amazing, and that is they are doing this with the standard dual motors uh, configuration. I mean, in the P100D, you have a much larger rear motor, which gives that car its big performance advantage compared to the regular dual, which has about the same size motor front and rear. In the Model 3 performance setup, that's not the case. They're going to use the same motors in the car. So that is the permanent magnet uh, reluctance motor that you have currently in the rear-wheel drive car. They're going to add an AC induction motor in the front, a small one. So that'll power the standard dual. And then all they do to get the performance out of it is they change the inverter uh, to, what did he call it? It's a silicon S something. Silicon other. carbide. Silicon carbide inverter, exactly. That's part of it. Obviously, there's probably some cabling, a few other things in there to get the amperage up. But they're basically hot-rodding the existing motors. They're, um, they're, they're batch-selecting them uh, for the highest, uh, was it the sigma S number? Sigma. Thank you. Um, you know, can you tell I've been dealing with ice for the last 40 years, and I'm pretty new to the whole average deal <laughs> i'm trying to wrap my head around it so yeah so basically and the longer burn in time there's all these things that they're doing to tweak um the permanent magnet motor and then you know add the ac motor to the front and just pump more uh more amps through them to get the performance um so that's all good i think that's very very cool i mean it's cost savings it sounds terrific then the fact of the matter is, though, the car is still uh, U.S. I think what's the price gap over a similarly equipped dual? It's about $24,000 yeah. is the premium. So that's a big chunk of change. That's the only part that took me a little bit by surprise. Now, factor into that. You're getting 20-inch uh, performance staggered wheels with Michelin uh, Pilot Cup tires, you know, really top-of-the-line stuff. Uh, you're going to get the carbon spoiler. You obviously get your choice of the black or white premium interior. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff that comes with it. So I get that. But it seemed to me that 
I figured if they used the same motors, they could they could have kept the price closer. So my thing was, you know, mid threes I'm okay with if the price gap is around 15, 16 K. But I thought 24 is a bit of a stretch. Having said that, I still don't think it's outrageous. And I'm sorry if I'm monologuing to this, this to death, but I just have so much that I've been thinking about the last two weeks. Ever good night, good night, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. But here's the thing. What, what does this car do? And what does their competition do? That's the bottom line, right? I mean, that's really what we want to know. And if you if you look at the U.S. pricing, it's really kind of in line with what you're getting from other manufacturers. And anything else that can generate a 0 to 60 in the 3.5 range is going to fall somewhere in that. Now, Trev, I don't know if you have that chart that I'd, uh, I'd put together. If you can pop that up. Yeah, I will right here. Um, let me know when you do because I don't have your monitor on my well, screen, okay. so I can't see when you yeah, post no, it. I have it. It's up. Okay, so what you'll see is I've basically posted uh, what I think are comparable models. These are all four-seater sporty cars. You have the RS3, which is, you know, very similar. It's a, it's a four-passenger, essentially, four-door sedan, sports sedan. You've got uh, the M3, similar configuration. Uh, I threw in the Camaro ZL1 because it is a four-seater. It's not a practical four-seater, but it is, technically. And it also has an astonishing price-to-performance ratio, especially when you start looking at the skid pad numbers and the stuff this thing can do on the track. So I thought, you know what? Somebody who wants a really fast car might be shopping, cross-shopping that against the Performance 3. It's not outrageous. Um, and then there's the, uh, the Audi TT RS, which is the same thing. It's a little bit of a track monster on its own. And it's actually a hair quicker. If you look at the 0-60 to 60 on that bad boy, it's like 3.4. That thing is friggin' fast. And you can easily tweak it to go quicker. So I thought these were good comparators. Now, if you look at the U.S. pricing, they're all sort of hovering in the uh, in the, the mid-60s. The only real bargain in the deal is the RS3 coming in at 55. But that's not going to give you the same handling of the track as, as the others. It's not quite as well balanced. So it's a bit of an outlier. But yeah, let's say these cars are all somewhere around 60-ish, you know, from mid-50 mid to high 60 type of thing. Now, you look at the uh, Performance 3 at 78. Uh, right now, all of you in the U.S. who order this car and get it in the next couple of months uh, could get this, the, the federal tax credit of 7500 Now, that brings it down to just about 70 even. Now, factor in your gas savings, et cetera, et cetera. You far less maintenance. You know, maintenance on these cars is big. You look at any of those cars, you know, the regular maintenance on them is going to be pretty substantial. So, you know, I could make the argument that in the U.S., there is good value, even at the way they priced it, which was a little higher than I expected. I think there's there's reasonable value. You can make a case for this car strictly based on the numbers. I mean, I won't go into the emotion of it. That's a whole other thing, right? There's all sorts of reasons why we would buy a car like that. But I don't think it's out of line. I, I think I can make a case looking at these numbers that it's, you know, for that level of performance, it's not bad. However, mosey on over to the Canadian column and have a look at what happens. Yes. That, my friends, is terrifying. Um, and what's going on is there's, there's two problems with this. And one of them is that, uh, unfortunately Canada uh, in Canada, Tesla doesn't do any subvention of the exchange rate. There's, there's no playing with the numbers. There's no kind of, uh, playing with the margins. It's straight up exchange. And they're really the only manufacturer that does that. Now you could say, we're actually, we're very spoiled in Canada because the other guys are, are really playing the numbers game on this and buying futures or doing whatever all else uh, to get their cost of exchange rate down. But even the European cars, I mean, what you'll see is you look at the far right column, the exchange rate on these cars effectively winds up being somewhere between 10 and 20% on average. But with Tesla, we're pretty much paying a full up 30% on top of the US price, which is pretty much the going exchange rate. Um, 
That puts the car at nearly $102,000 Canadian. That, my friends, is a big chunk of change. Yeah. And I don't know. You start looking at the difference in the price. You know, you, the most extreme examples, look at the Audi RS3. I could buy an RS3 here, um, and I could buy a base Model 3, a standard range, rear-wheel drive. After my tax credit, I actually get both cars for the same price as the Performance Model 3. Yeah, it's pretty That's scary. a lot. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's a man, you know? Yeah, it's pretty scary. That's, uh, you know, it's a lot of money involved. And that's one of the things I found that, uh, you know, in, you know, I've had a lot of questions over the years about, you know, why is the cost difference so different between Canada or, say, other countries and stuff? And, and I think it really boils down to what you mentioned is that the other manufacturers are spreading their margins or their costs or their exchange, whatever, or playing the money markets for whatever reason and spreading that across a wider variety of car models so that they can – you know, bring these cars in. I mean, uh, I did an example some time ago. I went and looked at uh, uh, Volkswagens, for example. And if you look at the Canadian price and the U.S. price, the highest cost delta that I saw in any of those cars was about $1,000, right? Yeah. Uh, Tesla yeah. doesn't do that. It's just straight-up exchange. So outside of the yeah. U.S., Teslas are quite expensive cars, all things considered. Yeah. And I think it's it's unfortunate. I mean, it is what it is, and you can't complain about it too much because there's nothing you can do about it. But I would hope that there's some kind of time that, that would come eventually where Tesla would be able to change that policy or you know, maybe when they got more models, they'll be able to play around with the exchange rate a little better or do some money market playing. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, well, we're going to see, you know, so we're seeing what a Model 3 is, uh, 101, 102,000 Canadian for the performance car, right? Yeah, well, that's I just did the straight conversion based on what the um, what the prices are for the versions we can currently configure. Well, that's exactly what I, I did, did to come up with the Model 3 yeah. pricing. It was based on the Model S. Right, and it, it, it's pretty much working across the board. So I'm I'm feeling like that's it. Now, maybe, maybe they're feeling generous. Ethan, are you listening out there? <laughs> and you could give us a little performance discount for us poor, scraping, half-Hungarian types who absolutely want the performance car. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what would actually work, and I, this I'm, I'm almost positive they can do, is just configure it as an option package added to a dual-motor car. Because you know what that would do? that would give us back our rebates because right now we lose them uh, just for Correct. the benefit of everybody outside of Canada. In, in Ontario, you have a hard limit of $75,000 of base price. So right now, anything you buy in a rear-wheel drive or a dual, doesn't matter how fancy you make it, it qualifies because the base price of the car is well under $75,000. So right. in Ontario, that's, that's fantastic. You're getting $14,000 off the price of the car. And same thing in Quebec. We base it on base price and, and you know we don't get that big, but 8000 bucks. hey, I'll take that. Sure. You know, that's a big chunk. It's like 8% of the value of the car. But what happens is as soon as you go over 75 base, and because the performance model is its own model and it's listed at starting at 78,000, uh, and in Canada, obviously, it's going to be 100, uh, that kills it. I mean, you lose everything in Ontario. And in Quebec, we go from 8,000 down to three. So we lose two thirds of the rebate here. Uh, that hurts. So if Tesla, if you're listening, if in Canada you can somehow magically make the performance car an option on top of a dual motor, we would be so pleased. <laughs> 
I agree. Uh, noticeably absent, and no mention of uh, ludicrous mode. I know uh, Elon a couple of years ago in a tweet storm, the initial tweet storm on April 4th, if I remember correctly, um, somebody had asked him if there was going to be ludicrous, and he said yes, and of course conspicuously absent in this. Not saying that it won't appear in a future update, because Tesla is always iterating on these cars. They don't sit still. I mean, the Model S has gone through many changes over the last six years. The Model 3, as you see it now, what we're seeing is just the initial version of the car. It's not to say that it will never change. They will add features over time. And uh, there is a question that's going to be coming in over Twitter, and we'll answer that a little bit later in a little bit more detail. But uh, that's what's going on. So any any thoughts on the ludicrous thing? I've been talking my ears off. I'm going to let you guys go yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric, any ideas? Well, I, so, I, I sort of agree with you. I think that, you know, we, we've seen a lot of different updates come via software updates. And um, even if they don't package it out the gate uh, with that. And I, I sort of was thinking when, when Ian was talking about, you know, having it as a package, I was immediately going to the Sub-Zero package that was sold with the, the S uh, at some point or another. Um for those who live in a colder climate, like you guys do up in Canada, um, but yeah, to me, if, you know, if they if it's not something that they publicize right out right out the door, and it's something that comes as an update later on, I think you know that should be fine. It will it'll certainly uh, appease the masses that are clamoring for you know that that really fun experience of driving ludicrous mode. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing I would add, just not to go too far back, and Ian did a great job uh, giving us all the details of the value <laughs> and everything. I'd say take a look at the BMW M3. I could start with a 320i at $34,000 US, and I could load up a BMW M3 and end up in the high 80s, I think even touching on, on 90 grand. So if you go option for option, I think when I spec the BMW M3, I was somewhere in the mid 80s, low to mid 80s, um, no autopilot. So even on a straight value um, discussion, forget the tax credit, forget the fuel savings, tack those on on top, Depending on option choices, you could even end up at, at price parity um, between that. And I looked at the BMW M3, Mercedes C63 AMG as a competitor. And Audi, I think they're missing their competitor car right now. They don't have an RS4 in their lineup. I think that's the True. direct competitor, but they don't have it. They just have the S4 right now at this time. So RS3 or RS5. Um, and then a few others, and, and you mentioned a couple as well. So when, when we talk about value and it's popped up on Twitter, it's popped up on the forums a lot. Uh, and you start to hear the, oh, wow, this car is so expensive, I should just get a base Model S. Those are two very different cars for potentially very different buyers. One is a track yeah. monster, top-end performance car, and one is like the family sedan, go on a road trip car. Not that you can't road trip in the Model 3, uh, but I think they're two different cars for two different buyers. And you see that across each of those competitive cars. That M3 is touching on the 7 Series, uh, the Mercedes CAMG is touching on the S-Class, and and Audi the same. So I think there's good value there for the money. Now, frankly, the Model 3 that I have was already past what I wanted to spend, so there's not value there for me. Um, <laughs> but I think if it's what you're looking for, I, I wouldn't call it a, not a good value deal compared to, to the competition. I would tend to I would tend to agree. I mean, I, I have no desire for a performance car in the least. Um, even if a Roadster was to show up in my driveway, it's like drive it for a couple of days and just kind of get rid of it. It's just not my thing. My wife might have a different opinion, but it's it's just not my. I'll, I'll my... take the Roadster for free. <laughs> we'd we'd fight over it for sure, man. There'd be a brawl. <laughs> well, I would give you rides, but after that, it would probably have to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I want to talk. I want to talk, uh, talk a little bit about the the, the concept of, of the base Model Three because, of course, you know we've had some very disingenuous uh, headlines. Um, of course, um, Bloomberg being one of them, you had uh, three or four different ones there uh, that popped up uh, where they were saying like the Model Three thirty five thousand dollar car is now going to cost you seventy eight thousand dollars. Um, you know, it just, you know, the media is just out of control on this whole thing. And of course, you know, I get a little bit of the brunt of it, of course, because people are saying, you know, I, I've had some discussions with people on Twitter when they're saying, oh, the $35,000 car is a unicorn. It doesn't exist. It's never going to happen. You know, Elon's lying, uh, so on and so forth. And uh, I'm here to tell you, this is not the first time this has happened. When the Model X first came out, of course, they made a signature edition and it was fully loaded. And the media did exactly, exactly the same thing. They said, this car is now going to cost you $150,000. And that was not the case. So there's precedent for this kind of thing. But it's, it's, I don't, you know, and of course, Elon went on this Twitter rampage there yesterday, you know, calling out the media for being, you know, hypocritical and all this other stuff. But that's a discussion for another day. But I think it really boils down to the point that some of the media is just, you know, it's taking things completely out of context and it's not helping in a lot of ways. Um, you know, Elon did say recently uh, that, you know, they they really need to make the expensive cars first because that's what pays for everything else down the road. Mm -hmm. And without the margins, of course, they would go under. Of course, we have, we saw some of those headlines, of course, you know, you know, the base price Model 3 would put Tesla out of business. I mean, it, it's just, oh, yeah. it's just you know, <laughs> we see these ridiculous, um, you know, headlines and so on and so forth. So um, I just want to put it out there that, you know, the, the base Model 3, which is, of course, what we're waiting for, um, you know, is going to happen. Uh, this is this is not a unicorn. I mean, it's part of, of the game plan right from the beginning. But Tesla is a new manufacturer. They don't have 50 cars that they make that they can spread losses across to make a $35,000 car right off the bat. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. And then I think that really boils down to the fact that so many people are looking at Tesla and not taking things into context uh, as far... I mean... Look, we've been following Tesla for so long. We know how they operate. I mean, this is not news to us. But I fear that there's a good portion of the public out there that are looking at this car and they're buying into the, the concept, oh, I can actually own a Tesla now. And they haven't been following Tesla and they don't know how they operate. And when they see this behavior, they automatically think that Tesla's lying. And, uh, you know, it's just like, I only have so many hours during the day. I got to make a living. I can't be tweeting at everybody, explaining to them how Tesla operates. So, you know, the best I can do is put out a video, but that's only limited audience. So, yeah, yeah. Anyways, any thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, I'll chime in here first. So my overall understanding of folks who sort of have that argument is I think they would benefit from understanding that Tesla is not a car manufacturer. Uh, in the traditional sense that we know of Ford and, and Chevrolet and many other manufacturers, they are now an energy company, and they're trying to build a sustainable future uh, in a number of different ways. Yes, the cars are a big part of that conversation, but they're looking at um, the Powerwall 2. They're looking at solar panels. Or they're looking at different solutions that are all designed about harnessing the resources that nature's provided us with wind and solar and hydro. So if, if you at least approach it from the perspective that one of the various products that they're selling that build towards a sustainable future is a car, then you kind of start understanding that they're not going to be your traditional car dealership. In fact, they're not a dealership in the traditional sense because we know the issues they've had um, 
in certain states like Michigan and others where they're trying to get their stores uh, to the masses so that it actually can be a face to the public and help get their, their brand out there. So, so yeah, I, I certainly, I've gotten my share of people uh, both in person on social media arguing that, you know, why would they do it this way? Well, if you think about their, their you know, they've now had two big plans. The first master plan was about the Roadster, then the Model S, then the Model X, and then the Model 3. And it's always been about stepping down in gradual paces. They, it's basically, this is a continuation of that. We're going to still go with the higher cost car first in the Model 3, but eventually the lower end $35,000 car will come. And those who are able to get it early on while the tax rebates are still available to them will get a car that ends up being maybe a little bit less than 35000 So it's it's we're getting there. It's just not happening right out the gate and people just have to be a little bit patient for that but it'll it'll happen it's just a matter of you know just waiting it out and seeing how it goes yeah i, I would i would add to that point and, and also in line with what trev said um eric you made a great point it's getting better um trev said look before you saw the signature cars and those were all very highly priced model three didn't launch at the high end it launched at forty nine thousand dollars didn't launch forcing dual motor and certainly didn't launch forcing the uh, the performance version, or if you would call that a signature, if you would. So it's certainly getting better. Maybe even when Model Y comes out, when the pickup comes out, uh, we start to see that that come further down. Um, and I think what you touched on with the tax credit at the end, that that to me is what I key in on. Um, these are still expensive cars. They're, they're more in reach than the Model S or the Model X, uh, but they're certainly still expensive cars. And with the credit, we know it's teetering close to that 200K number. We don't know exactly where it is, but we know we're getting close. Um, if people are reaching for cars, and certainly with performance coming out there and, and dual motor is going to cost a little more than that first production, you want to maximize that $7,500 credit at somebody who's taken a reach to get that car. Because if they can't swing that car, Tesla could lose them as a customer. Maybe if they need that dual motor and won't take rear-wheel drive, and without that credit, they lose them. So that, that's got to factor in at some point. Obviously, their margins. So, uh, you know, as the price comes down and they get that thirty-five thousand dollar model out there, and the credit, in, in, speaking in terms of the U.S. specifically, you know, you're down to thirty-seven fifty or eighteen seventy-five. Um, that's still a good percentage credit against the price of the car. Uh, so, I think you put all those pieces together, and, and it's getting better. But, but that headline killed me when it said Tesla's thirty-five thousand dollar car uh, now will cost you seventy-six thousand. But you could still configure the $49,000 car today. So um, I don't know. All those headlines do is give give more publicity. And bad publicity is still good publicity. Yeah, it's, called, it's called, click, talking it's about called it. clickbait. Right. Yeah, it's exactly a, what it is. It's a cancer. It's a cancer and I can't stand <laughs> it. It's just completely out of control. Actually, I want to mention one thing. Um, uh, talking about the you know the base of, uh, of the Model 3 getting in um, at $35,000. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Tesla doesn't advertise. Now, we know that Tesla doesn't advertise because if you really boil it down into its constituent, uh, advertising is a method of generating demand, something that Tesla does not suffer from. So on the flip side, if you don't advertise, then you can't get a particular message out. It will, you know, you know, it's, it's all indirect. You know, Tesla will put out a message whenever you release a product um, or do some kind of dog and pony show, but between that, it's just it's utter silence. And let's face it, the a average public does not listen to uh, financial calls or anything like that, like we do, to be able to get some of these golden nuggets of what's really going on. So in that vacuum, you get this 
you know, this conjecture of like, well, where's the car? It's not happening, and so on and so forth. So I think in some ways, you know, it's the onus is kind of like people us doing, you know, the podcasting in the indirect method. You know, we're not associated with Tesla, but, you know, we follow them very closely. We're trying to get the message out there. Uh, of course, they got the referral program. So, you know, that's basically where Tesla gets most of their um, their advertising, free advertising of sorts. So, you know, I, I agree with the concept of not advertising because why make a, a problem worse? Because if you generate too much demand, you don't have supply, then that doesn't help anybody. But on the flip side, it's like, mm, you know, maybe if they threw out a, a basic ad or something like that, not really advertising the car saying, introducing the new 2019 Tesla Model 3, you know, and just basically saying, you know, hey, I mean, like, remember the old days at Chrysler? <clears throat> and Lee Iacocca would get up. Hi, I'm Lee Iacocca. Yeah. You know, remember those yeah. days? Um, you know, Tesla would do probably well to get up there and have Elon come out and just explain to people, hey, I'm Elon, and here's what we're doing at Tesla. You know, it's not just about cars. It's about this and that and the other thing. I think in some ways that would go um, some ways, but who knows? Any thoughts on that? Well, I think it's also how we think of advertising as a general uh, sort of medium. So I was thinking now when you were talking about commercials we see on TV for different car brands, and they'll have, say, starting at $29,000, but they always have a car on the commercial mm -hmm. that is not priced that low. It's always some MSRP value that's higher because there's a special kind of added feature on the exterior of the car or a special package inside the car, whatever it is. So you're, you're, it's hard to get a car even at that rate. Or if you're hearing a radio commercial of some you know car manufacturer or even just a, a general dealership says, we're having this many cars at this rate, well, it may be two cars that are on the lot at that low price. You go there, the cars are gone, so now you're picking from a lot that maybe has $10,000 higher cost on the sticker than you were before. So Tesla's being very direct and honest with people. This is what our cars are worth. We're not, we're not negotiating different rates. These are the prices. You go to online, you go to a store, you price out your car, that's what you're getting. Um, with dealerships, it's whatever you get, and you may not even get the one you're looking for that's advertised on radio or television. Well, that's it's just, just like Michael and and Ian were saying earlier um, that if you do a comparison between the Model Three and what's available, it's it's largely price competitive in the U.S. The thing is, is though, is that in this market segment, I'm not talking about you know a, a Honda Civic or a Volkswagen Golf or something like that. But when you're in this particular market segment, if you go to the dealer lot, you're never going to find the base model. They never have a 320i mm -hmm. sitting on the showroom or in the lot. No, it just does not happen. They load them right. up with features because that's where the margins are. So you really got to think about it in that context. Yeah, you can probably buy, you know, a 320i for $34,000 US, $33,000 US, but good luck finding one unless you ordered it. And let me let me tell you, the dealer's not going to let you leave without <laughs> ordering some <laughs> options, right? And you want those floor mats? That's two grand. You know, whatever the yeah, number you is, you know mats. what I mean? So <laughs> you got to, you know, it. It's it's a perspective. You really got to look at equal and and try to figure it out. And and Ian's absolutely right. The thing about EVs is that you really do have to factor in the total cost of ownership. Fuel prices, mm -hmm. uh, you know, are keep going up. I mean, we just hit a dollar fifty in Toronto. It's it's ridiculous. So, um, and we're probably going to hit two dollars a, a liter next year. I mean, just it's, just, just to emphasize for our friends south of the border, that's six dollars a gallon. Yeah, it's six zero zero dollars exactly. a gallon. And and we shouldn't complain because Europe pays even more than we do. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying that when you look at an EV, yes, the cost of entry is generally higher, but you do have to factor in your total cost of ownership. And we've talked about this before. I'm not going to belabor the point, but it is a calculation that does have to come in so that you can, you know, compare apples to oranges. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, let's see here. Anything else we want to talk about on the performance car? We're getting on in some time here. Maybe we can cut it short a little bit tonight. But I do want to get to some questions because I did put out on Twitter a request this time, instead of using the YouTube chat, that if you had a question to throw it in on our, uh, on our Twitter feed, um, and then we would have a chance to maybe take some, uh, some questions. So um, any last-minute thoughts before we move on to questions, guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to squeak in on the performance just Okay. Just because, because it's there. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Um, yeah, coming back to the ludicrous thing, um, there's a lot of thought that this is going to be a separate thing. I personally think it's going to be included in the car the way we get it. And my thought is what seemed to have happened, and the reason we treat it as a separate issue on Model S and Model X is because um, the way the batteries, the, the fusing and the contactors were configured, they couldn't handle the current that you needed to get ludicrous mode. I think what happened is they engineered the drivetrain first and then figured out, you know what, we can squeak some more power out of this, but we've got to upgrade these two, three parts to do that. So we're going to charge a premium for it. And then you get this extra half a second or whatever. With the Performance 3, I again, because they're, they're, they're squeaking the most power they can out of those existing dual motors, I don't know that there's that much more they can get out of it. I have a funny feeling that Ludacris is included. I don't think that's going to be an upcoming option because I I think it's pretty much close to the max it is. That, that's like, my two cents. I could mean be like, completely wrong. Like completely baked in, you mean? Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to, you know, because they were charging, what was it, 10 grand for the option on uh, originally on, a, on a, a P90D, and it was because you were getting the Inconel contactors and uh, the, 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 the pyrotechnic fuse. Yeah, it sounded so SpaceX, it was crazy. <laughs> and, uh, well, Inconel is, is actually rocket, yeah, it's the same thing they make the... Uh, the combustion chamber on the on the motors out of in the rockets, isn't it? Yes. So I mean, yeah, it, there, there's there's this, all this high tech material they had to add to the car, uh, and it's because those motors had a lot of headroom in terms of what you could get out of them, you know, and the battery had a more amperage to give. I think in the case of the three, um, those those existing motors are they. It sounds like they squeezed every last bat when they're taking, you know, the permanent magnet motors and separating them to batches and like testing them to see who's the top of the pick, you know, like who's the top of the litter here. I don't know that you can squeeze much more out of it. So I have a funny feeling the ludicrous thing is baked into it. That's my theory. Well, it'll be time. Time will tell, I guess. All right. Well, um, let's take this time here to go out to uh, Twitter and uh, we'll take some, uh, some of the questions and stuff. So I'll just bring this up. So let's go down here. We've got a lot of questions here, so I'm going to take a few here. I want to answer this one right here from Jay, my friend Jay Pace. Hey, Jay, how you doing? Um, his question, and he's been bugging Elon, so I'm going to take a crack at this one. Uh, his question is, based on previous model uh, rollouts from Tesla, when do you think Canada will be able to order all-wheel drive and performance Model 3? Um, that's a question on everybody's mind. It's on the um, Model 3 Facebook page. It's sometimes in the forum. I get a lot of it on Twitter. Um, I actually reached out to Tesla to ask them, do you have any kind of indication? Can you tell me anything? And they said... Um, that's not public information yet, and we, we don't have anything to say about that. So the answer is, I don't know. Um, however, I would suspect, based on stockpiling that's going on right now, because we do have a federal tax, or federal election that's coming up on June 7th, that Tesla is trying to push out as many Model 3 deliveries in Canada, in Ontario specifically, in my case here, um, before the election happens. So I would suspect 
um, that we may see it open as soon as probably just a handful of weeks, probably not too much longer than that. The other thing, too, is that some people were asking, you know, is it possible that a new government would come in and immediately cut off the rebates? Because that's, of course, that's the factor that everybody's trying to um, trying to get in on. And I don't believe so, because I believe that, um, you know, I'm not a politician here, and I don't know how the whole thing works. Uh, but there's some talk about legislature not uh, coming back into play until September. So if there's any changes to the laws, we're probably safe until at least September. So we're hoping that Tesla does the right thing and move on to that. Okay, uh, let's move on here. Um, let's see here. I should have sorted these in advance, but we'll just go down here. Um, okay, so uh, Love EV says, what about a heated steering wheel? Um, this is something I think we need to talk about a little bit, and I'm, I don't, I'm not here to talk for Tesla. Um, I don't know what their internal things are, but if I was to put my product planning slash engineer hat on, I'm an armchair guy, I think... You have to look at it from certain aspects. The Model 3 was really an accelerated program, trying to get it to market as quickly as possible. And the last thing you want to do, if you work in the software business, you know what this is called. It's called feature creep, right? Uh, Tesla went through this on the Model X. And with the Model 3, uh, there, there are certain things you have to hold back. You can't just put everything in the first iteration of the car. You do have to have some... I don't, I don't want to use the word planned obsolescence, but you have to have a roadmap in some ways to introduce new features. Um, I'll give you a case in point. When the Model S first came out, it did not have folding mirrors. That's something they added later on. It didn't have parking sensors. So these are things that were added on down the road. So Model 3, I don't see it as any different. I'm not saying that they're going to add a heated steering wheel. It's just that it's not here now. It's something they could potentially add in the future. Someone had also asked, um, and I forget what was on the list here, but somebody had asked them, um, what about the situation with, uh, you know, a, a, a ski pass-through, you know, between the two seats when you fold the thing down? You know, on mm -hmm. a lot of the German cars, you get this little door that opens and you can put your skis through. Again, I think it's like feature creep. And like, let's, let's not put everything into the car. Otherwise, we can't get this thing out the door. So, yes, there's a lot of features that people are demanding, things like, uh, you know, the hitch and, um, you know, heated steering wheel, of course, makes sense. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like... You either meet a deadline or you keep adding features and the price goes up. So take your pick, right? Um, so, Trev, I, I can't speak to heated steering wheel because I'm in South Florida. But <laughs> nice thing on you the Model cool 3. Steering. Rub it in. <laughs> yeah, I've got a cold steering wheel uh, with the air conditioning. But um, cool thing about the Model 3, no display behind your steering wheel. You can put the air vents wherever you want them. I don't know. You guys tell me. You can blow Ooh. hot air right on your hands if Ooh, you want. To. Somebody's on to something. Ian. I'm certainly not going to try that. Uh, it's too hot <laughs> here already. But I think you could do that. I don't know. Mm. Might be something. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that definitely works. I mean, in my my I have a first gen Volt, so there was no heated steering wheel in those cars. That's exactly what I do in the in in the winter. Is I take the two dash vents and I point them straight at my hands. And hell, it works. But yeah, you could dial it right in. I mean, you know, the the that vent aiming system on the three is spectacular. So you could you could have it exactly how you want it. Sure, there you go. The poor man's heated steering wheel. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll um, I'll I'll admit it is. There are times when I have done that. This past winter, I've adjusted the vents so they go into my hands. So even though I don't have a heated steering wheel, the Model X, I didn't want to spend the extra money for the premium kit. Didn't see the value in it. Uh, next question uh, from Michael Hall says, why no range increase on the all-wheel drive? Uh, why the front motor induction is permanent versus magnet, uh, uh, permanent magnets reluctance versus uh, $5,000 $5, for all-wheel drive is disappointing. Well, let's talk about this because Elon did say a couple years ago that uh, 
the all-wheel drive variant on the Model 3 would be less than the Model S was, uh, because at the time it was $5,000, and here we are, $5,000. Um, you know, I never really took uh, what Elon said to heart. I always was erring on the side of caution, saying, let's just figure it's the same cost at $5,000. If you budget for that, then you're in a good position. And I think what's happening here as far as the range increase on the all-wheel drive is I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking before where Tesla is is sandbagging some of the features. Um, if you go back and look at the time when the Model S was available in all-wheel drive and real-wheel drive, the all-wheel drive only gave you about a 5% increase in range. Now, 5% at the end of the day is very difficult to measure because everybody's driving experience and driving habits are different. So I think in, in in this way, Tesla's really not increasing the range on the Model 3 with the all-wheel drive just because it's almost like, why would you bother? Because it's not something you can actually measure. I don't know that for sure. That's just my thinking based on real-world um, uh, you know, experience with cars would with, with have that. I mean, I have all-wheel drive on my Model X. There is no real-wheel drive, so what do, I have, <laughs> what do I know? I can't tell the difference. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I would add there. So, uh, you know, my car's rated with 310 miles of range. Um, so is Eric's, but we have two different wheels on our cars. Um, mm -hmm. And if Eric goes on the highway, he's getting much better range than I am. Uh, conversely, you know, I'm getting less. If I do about 55 miles an hour with the 19s, I still get the 310. Uh, if I average it out and was to drive 310 miles. So to your point, Trev, this one, you know, the all-wheel drive might get better range. Truth be told, if you get the aero wheels and you go at a pretty steady, stable pace, you're blowing past 310 anyway. I'm, I'm positive of that. Um, and without trying to, to go crazy, you're, you're, you're most likely able to go past it. So I, I don't know how you can accurately and fairly measure it, but I suspect we're all going past these numbers um, if we want to mm -hmm. in, in normal situations. Yeah. I, I would add uh, a couple of things to that. First, we know for a fact that the rated range on the three uh, was reduced from what the EPA tests showed it could do. It was actually doing, I think, 320, 330. It was, it was significantly higher, and they, they requested to have it rated on the sheet at 310. So, uh, yeah, to Michael's point, I suspect that might be because you could probably do 310 exactly or thereabouts with the 19-inch Sport, but with the aero wheels, you can go past that, and they just wanted one number. So maybe they're going to do the same thing with the all-wheel drive. No, it's, it's 310, you know, with the dual motor. And the crazy thing is they're claiming the same thing for the performance version, and that we know is on this, you know, much heavier 20-inch package with this sticky Michelin rubber. There's no way. We know these cars are all going to have different ranges, but they're all locked in at 310. The second point is, uh, and Karen Ray brought this up on the forum. She's fantastic when it comes to looking at the technology, the electronics of the cars. And, you know, she was the first to call it out and say, don't expect anything special because that permanent reluctance, uh, that uh, permanent magnet reluctance motor is already super efficient. So if you add uh, a synchronous motor in front, you're not going to get the same bang for your buck when you sleep one of the motors compared to like the, uh, the S or the X. And I think she's right on that. I think there's very little to be had in the actual dual motor system of this car compared to the other ones. It's already super efficient. All right, let's go back to the questions here. Uh, another one from Lovey V. I like this one here. Uh, what about Chatmo? What's the Chatmo situation on the Model 3? And that's a really good question because uh, <laughs> we do know during the uh, release candidate stage of uh, testing on the Model 3 that they were taking the Model 3s, I think it was in the San Francisco area, and they were doing some, uh, some Chatmo t um, charging. So I don't know what the answer is. Um, I do know that 
The Chatmo adapter does require firmware update on certain occasions, so it could be a, a situation of maybe they just haven't gotten around to it. Maybe it needs a firmware upgrade. Maybe the car needs a firmware upgrade. Um, irrespective, I think having a Chatmo adapter that works on the Model 3 is a very good safety net um, because there's going to be times when people are not close to a supercharger. I mean, the superchargers are great and all, but they're not absolutely everywhere. My wife and I are planning on going out to the East Coast uh, this summer, and uh, I don't have superchargers past, um, you know, uh, just the next one past Quebec City. There's nothing. Even though on the map they say they're, they're going to bring them all the way out to Halifax by the end of this year. But that's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen. So I'm fortunate that I have a Chatmo adapter, but if I had a Model 3, there was... Uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to go. It would just be level two, and you know, the trip out there it would just take too long. So I'm hoping that we're going to see uh, some kind of Chatmo situation. Um, maybe it's something I can email Tesla about, but I don't expect to see anything uh, really until it becomes official. We'll know it becomes official when it goes on the shop.tesla website and it just becomes available. But I wish I had a, a you know better answer for that. Okay, I saw another one here going down a little further here. Um, let me see. Yeah, somebody was asking. Oh, yeah, uh, NJ Maurice was saying, I'm curious about the lack of safety warning lights on the side mirrors. Only on the center screen doesn't make much sense when changing layers are on the mirrors and not on the center display. Um, I'll let you guys talk about this because on you know with autopilot, it does show you encroachments of vehicles around, but Tesla doesn't put the lights in the mirrors. So uh, maybe you guys can chime in on this particular situation since y'all have a three. You can go first, Mike. Oh, sure. Uh, well, this is a feature that I was critical of. I thought, you know, we call it a dummy light or an idiot light. That's a negative connotation, but it could save your butt. If something's in your blind spot and you miss it and the light's on, you think twice, you don't change lanes. Even if it's a false alarm, it's better safe than sorry. So up front, I was a little nervous about it. Uh, I've known about the the right way to to uh, to set your mirrors and make it so it's a non-issue in the first place. And actually, the first thing I did in my car, um, not in the video that Trev shot, but he said, you know, put your head against the glass, line up your mirrors, <laughs> and uh, and we were off. And honestly, I, I've just passed 6,000 miles. Um, I don't miss it. I actually like the fact that I don't have lights on the mirrors anymore. So I was highly critical of it. Uh, now I'm happy that, that there's there's not a light constantly on the mirror. I kind of like... That mirror trick like works, doesn't it? <laughs> it does work. Yeah. Once you get used to it, it's like, I can't go back to anything else. That's 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 pretty good. Uh, let's go back here. Uh, Viviana Van uh, Derlin, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. She's asking here, will there be a bike rack for the Tesla Model 3? Well, we know there's no hitch. Uh, it seems to have fallen by the wayside. Yeah. You know, it's just not happening on the Model 3. Not to say it won't come eventually, uh, but Tesla basically says, you know, there's no there's no bike rack for, um, uh, I should say, hitch for the, for the Model 3. There is, however, uh, little hidden tabs. Now, if anybody gets close to a Model 3, just look at the roof. Inside on the glass, there's there's little arrows that are etched on the four corners of the top part of the glass on the car. And they point to little rubber strips that you can lift up, and there's a metal tab underneath that root strip. And that is where a future uh, roof rack will attach to. Uh, we have not seen this roof rack yet. It hasn't shown up in the Tesla accessory site. Uh, we did see a car back in the... Uh, in the days during the release candidate testing stage that we're testing this with some weights on it. Um, I do believe that it's coming in the future. It's just not an accessory that Tesla has gotten around to yet. Um, and I'll be honest, I haven't really looked on the internet to see if anybody's offered anything. I'm, I usually get tweets about that kind of thing if somebody spots it. 
Um, the other option, too, if you're desperate, is something called sea suckers. Have you seen these things? No? Okay. Um, I so just, just go to seasucker.com, and they're these very large industrial-grade um, uh, suction cups. And uh, they sell a bike rack that uses, you know, and you can get bike racks up to, I think it's up to four bikes uh, that'll fit on these. And, uh, and and I know these uh, suction cups very well because they're the same ones that are used in the um, in the movie industry to hold, you know, $200,000 cameras. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if anybody says, oh, a suction cup, not going to hold my bike. Well, if the movie industry is trusting a half a million dollar camera, I think you're going to be okay with, a, with, you know, a couple of bikes on your roof. Um, I happy, I have... I actually have one that I use for my uh, for my video camera, and I would I, I put my trust in it. It's it, they're exactly the same units, so that's the answer as far as that's concerned. Um, okay, another one here. Michael Schultz says, "How can I speed up a software update on my Model 3?" So I'm going to assume that he's talking about trying to get the latest software update on your Model 3. And of course, there is an uh, an old wives' tale going around. Of course, that still circulates to this day saying that if you take your Model 3 to a Tesla service center and hook up to their Wi-Fi, that the update will happen a little faster. I haven't experienced that personally. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, you see that on YouTube once in a while. Um, yeah, I think Elon did say that he was going to put um, an option in the software eventually where we'd be able to request the updates. So ah. we'll see if that shows Yeah, I up. saw the same thing. Yeah, Yeah. so we'll see if that makes time. I mean, the thing you have to remember about Elon is we put out a tweet and he says, oh, it's coming soon. That's Elon time. It could be a week. It could be two weeks. It could be never. So, um, you know, it's the odd question I get about dash cams. Well, if you're desperate for a dash cam, don't wait on Elon. Go buy a nice one. Okay, let's see here. Uh, any more questions? Last one. I think we'll take this, uh, the last one here. We'll call it a night here. Uh, Gino G says, hey, Trevor. Well, it doesn't have to be Trevor specifically, um, but he is asking, uh, will there be an opening sunroof to be available soon? Well, this is a common question, right? We get this uh, quite often because, of course, with the first production Model 3, all they're making is that glass roof. Now, what we're referring to in the glass roof is that two-foot section that's between the windshield and that uh, back part. And uh, a couple... <laughs> The large window in the back. You know what I'm talking about. Um, a couple years ago during the Model 3 reveal, and I, um, and I remember it very specifically because uh, Ryan McCaffrey was sitting in the back of the car uh, during one of the uh, test ride um, videos that we're taking. And, you, uh, and I remember him very clearly asking uh, Doug Field, who was the um, engineer on the program, who was actually driving the car at the time, what were the roof options going to be? And at the time, Doug said, well, we'll have... Uh, we're looking at a metal roof, we're looking at a sunroof, and of course, all glass. Um, my personal opinion, just my personal opinion, I don't have inside information on this, but if you look at what they're doing with Model S, the glass roof is standard and a sunroof is optional. So my personal opinion here, metal is not happening. It's just, just you know, throwing out the window. It's just not happening. Really? You yeah. think so? No, I, don't, I, I really don't think that's going to happen. I think it's just going to be all glass. Now, despite Tesla's marketing materials that says on the website, that says, doesn't, mention, doesn't have any mention of the glass on the basic car, that, you know, you have to be careful with marketing. It's to get you to buy something today rather than show you what's <laughs> going to happen in the future. Tesla could change their mind. But that's just my personal opinion. It's just, you know, Elon even said it before. It's so much easier to build a car with a glass roof than, than metal. So I, I think... You know, for the time being, glass is going to be standard. Metal's not going to happen. Sunroof, 
who knows? Um, my Tesla Model S loaner that I have here has a roof, a sunroof. I opened it because my wife asked me to see it, but otherwise it's not something I, I care about. That's a personal opinion, of course. You know, other people have uh, their different feelings about sunroofs and stuff. But um, if we do see it, it might be on another car, but uh, the fact that we haven't even seen it on a performance car, I don't know. I don't know. Here's here's what I'll say on that, um, and I mean this in, a, in the nicest way possible. <laughs> Sometimes Teslas are not for the faint of heart, and what I mean by that is uh, they're not traditional cars where you have a model year, and that car is the same for 12 months, or maybe at most they do a mid-year change-up, a small little change. Um, one of our topics we didn't get to, we ran out of time, was there's been a small change to the seats. Uh, we had the Alcantara headliner change. So yep. at some point, you've got to look at the current options and say, I like this car. And when you click that order button, just stop looking because <laughs> exactly. in between, you know, in transit, your, your, when your car's on the way, maybe that sunroof comes out. Um, maybe a feature that was, you know, an option before becomes a standard. Now that price changes, uh, at some point, you got to stop looking. I, I think that's a very good positive. You don't get stuck with this stagnant car for 12 months. It's just continually getting better. Um, but you know, at some point you have to take the plunge. Otherwise you're just going to wait forever. It's like, it's I'm not going to buy a TV because there's going to be another TV that's better or a computer. There's always going to be another TV that's better. And this is the same type of thing. Yeah. I did the exact the same thing. As soon as I clicked the button on the model X, I was like, okay, I'm done looking. I'm never going back to that site. I'm never looking at it again. <laughs> right? Because I have to be happy with what I buy today. If I keep going back mm -hmm. and looking at it, I'm just never going to be happy and I'll just be kicking myself. So that's the thing. When you buy a Tesla, make sure you don't go back and, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish because you'll never buy anything. It's just like anything else. Michael's absolutely right. Can I, can I jump in? Yeah, go, go ahead, Eric. You know, Eric, go ahead. I, no, what I was going to say was that you have people to remember too, the time you put down your reservation, when you actually custom build your car, you are buying at the time the best possible car you can get for that particular model, whether it's an S, an X, or a 3. So, yeah, we, we've seen even uh, Kim from like Tesla had some photo comparing the current Model 3 seats to the first generation that came out. The stitching's a bit different. Are you still getting great quality seats? Absolutely. If your stitches yeah. are different, it's not a big deal. But just like with every recipe you cook, the more you cook it, the better it gets. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's just coming through to... Well Maybe said. not for all of us. Maybe not for all of us. But yeah, but it's, the idea is that you're still getting the greatest car at the time. And every manufacturer from every new generation car they make, it becomes better and better and better. So don't fret if your car is not the greatest thing it was from six months ago to today. You still have a fantastic car that you're driving around, regardless of which version it is. Even folks who have the original Model S still love their car so much that they wouldn't trade it in for anything else. Agreed. True. Can I can I jump in with one fast one there? Please, just, please do, it it builds on builds on the sunroof question because I'm the same thing. I'm a total El Fresco guy. Like I mean, if I could saw the roof off of three, you know, and put in a, a, a vinyl, you know, I would do it. I would totally do the conversion. I'm a I'm a convertible guy. But uh, for the for you two guys that are rolling threes now, what's that car like with the side windows down? Can you at least have them open up at a high speed? Is it noisy or is it cool with all four windows wide open? Or what's it like? You, you can go for it, Eric. Well, I, I haven't driven with the windows down at high speeds in the highway. Um, just driving around locally in the city, it's comfortable. Um, you don't feel a lot of wind coming through the cabin where some folks are like, oh, my God, my hair is messing up. Like, it's it's honestly positioned well, I think, for how they're opened. And I know, um, you know, Trev's done some videos showing how the windows open both front and back on the cars. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's 
you don't hear much, at least driving in city. But uh, I, I can certainly test it on the highway and give you a report next week if you'd like. Sure, love to hear. I that. have driven on the highway with the windows down, so I can quickly tell you, um, <laughs> okay. Ian, you've got maybe a little less hair than I have. I don't have that much left here. Um, oh, yeah, I know we're talking. It's yeah. I mean, you're not going to feel much wind against the hair. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's that's good for my partner in crime because she's like totally like you know no I think and I the, saw two hairs were rolling up and the back windows don't go down that far that was I, Trev mm-hmm. was doing a lot on on that look like paying close attention to that I remember when those first spy photos were coming out um, in the end that actually helps I think keep some of the wind out as well mm-hmm. uh, so yeah it, you can drive with the windows down um, but it's not going to feel like a convertible. No, and and actually, that wasn't so much the question. I don't need to have the hair, you know, the wind blowing through the non-existent hair. That isn't. isn't It's just like in certain cars, like my Volt, it's deafening because of the the car so aerodynamic. The way it it comes through the car, anything over thirty miles an hour, it's just like you can't stand the noise. I was just more curious how, like, is it quiet? Like, can you actually roll highway speeds and like it's not turbulent in the car? Oh yeah, you can definitely enjoy it. Mm -hmm. That's that's awesome. Okay, so for all of us who are are pining for the the sunroof and and Lack, you know, can't have the air coming straight in through the top. At least you can roll the side windows down, roll highway speeds, and sort of have semi-open air experience. The only time and my, wind- also my, the only I time my windows go down is when I get my coffee and I have to pay the lady. <laughs> <laughs> That's because we live in Canada, man. It's like it's warm three days out of no, the year. What are you talking about? It's 28 degrees today. It was beautiful. Okay, I know I shouldn't, bitch. It was awesome today. But. That's that's centigrade for all you uh, non-Americans. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Eighties. We're 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 through, like we're sweating when it is eighties up here. Yeah. 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 Well, gentlemen, um, I think we'll uh, call it a night. And uh, let's, uh, Eric, can you tell us uh, where we can find you on the interwebs so that uh, people want to reach out to you and ask you some questions? Absolutely. You guys can find me on Twitter at uh, the handle ECFix. That's E C F I X. Ian, how about you? Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, straight up, Ian, Pav- uh, well, on my Twitter handle, which is at Ian Pavelko. Um, I won't spell it all out. Uh, maybe you can just throw something on at the end there. It's pretty much as it sounds. But yeah, at Ian Pavelko, you can hit me up, whatever you got. Well, your handle's Absolutely. Mad Hungarian. Well, the handle's Mad Hungarian, yeah, but the actual Twitter you know, name, uh, the sign-in, is, is my real name, you can search for. I don't have the genu- I don't have the genuine thing though. They won't give me the genuine thing. Obviously, I don't race. So <laughs> I'm not genuine. <laughs> not yet. All but right. No, not yet. Not yet. How about you, Michael? Where can people find you if they want to reach out and ask you some questions? You can find me on Twitter at Michael R. Bodner. And as I said last week, just watch Trev's feed. You're going to find all three of us there, all <laughs> over the place. And um, and also on Model Three Owners Club as a moderator, Sofa Model Three. Very good. Well, thanks everybody for joining. And uh, my internet handle on Twitter is at Model3Owners. You can find me there. Don't forget to follow our uh, Model 3 Owners Club forum at Model3OwnersClub.com. And if you enjoyed the show, I would appreciate it if you take a look at our Patreon page. That keeps the show going. You can find that at Patreon.com forward slash Model3OwnersClub. That's it for tonight. And we will catch you next week, same time and same channel at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. So uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching, folks, and we'll see you next time. Good night. Good night.